Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 100. Our, we're, we're over the hill 100. this episode, and, and our, we've got episode our special 100. guest chiming in already. Everybody, welcome Jimmy DeResta to the show. Welcome, Jimmy. Welcome. Jim. I have to clap myself. This is, this is so Jimmy's nice to have 100th you. podcast this week. <laughs> this week, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. It makes I'm me here. wonder. Good to have you for our final episode. It's so nice. such a thank good you. way to end our, thank you end our run here. Thank you, thank you. With all this preparation, this is going to be a good one. That Jimmy's talking about the four hours of pre-show that no one's ever going to hear. And Man, um, that checklist, we're, we're, we are in free fall right now. We just yeah. literally jumped out of an airplane. We're going to rip the cord in a few minutes. Well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But um, before we move forward, uh, everybody needs to know, Jimmy, what is your dominant skill? Engineering? Did I get That's that wrong? No. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Line. 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 <laughs> Line. <laughs> I have so many notes here. I don't wrote them out of order. My dominant uh, skill, I say, is problem solving. Problem That's, solving. Yes. That's what I'd say. Okay, and well, what, what would you say? Watching, uh, I don't know. Printing, pressing, that problem solving, <laughs> problem solving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same, same thing, thing. Yeah. same thing. Same, same. Uh, now, for problem solving, what skill class would you say that is? That's engineering. That's engineering. Okay, that's we we got to the engineering. Now, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, you got it. Yeah, that, that's probably right in there. That's that's what I said. Yeah, right. I would definitely yeah. say that's problem solving because it's funny when you meet somebody that went to school for engineering and you realize they don't know how to problem solve you see wow mm -hmm. you just wasted four years of college i'm sorry to hear that it's it is very odd i work with a lot of interns and uh, and young engineers and they they know all the math yeah but are kind of lost with a just a just a problem in front of them it's funny that, that, people, that isn't a textbook problem when i meet somebody that or an, I see a young person, and then they're in college, and I know them. Say, for instance, cousin, family, whatever, and they say, "Oh yeah, I'm in engineering." And I think to myself, "I never saw you tinker with something once. I never saw you make a paper airplane. I never saw you make something out of straws. Like you're gonna have a tough time getting a job. Might as well learn how to cut hair now." Yeah, I used to think that everyone, <laughs> that everyone who I uh, think that's a Long Island thing who came to the maker space that was an engineer. I was like, oh, well, you probably already know all this stuff. And they're like, no, I've never, never touched a tool before. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. I guess you don't really have to have any, any knowledge or experience with tools to complete engineering school with flying colors. Oh, I know somebody and I was very surprised. Somebody that's a product development engineer and they never use tools. I was like, how is that possible? Right. They did everything on Which, the computer. Yeah. Oh, there's, I mean, there's the option. If you're, if you're motivated, you can get on like the SAE teams and the aircraft teams and stuff yeah. and do it, but but you don't have to to finish right. school. So that being said, the person who I'm talking about, I don't want to say his name. He went on to learn how to use tools in my presence with me. We all we all shared an experience together a couple of years ago, and he is an amazing 3D artist. And he went on to get involved in some digital fab more recently, and he is really really skilled. So it's nice to see somebody with a very good engineering head reverse engineer their skill set their physical skill set and he did a great job he's right. doing a great job it's a good combination to have yeah. it's just odd that that the tinkering comes after the the, the degree learning yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's just weird uh, do we have I'm enough really time trying... left in this segment sorry 
No, we, we've, we've got a little bit more time before we got we to cut you started. off, Jimmy. Um, <clears throat> I was just going to say, I don't really remember exactly where this transpired when I was in college, but I originally went in for electrical engineering, switched to mechanical engineering, and then went to marketing. And each one of these things I found out that, that you know, you find out stuff as you go to school that you didn't actually get to build any of the stuff. And once mm -hmm. I found out, I'm like, wait a minute, then how am I, that doesn't make any sense. That's what the engineers do. No, no, you just basically talk about it, put it down on paper. You don't get to build anything. That's for, that's for construction people to do. I'm like, oh, then I don't want to do this. Yeah. <clears throat> so I just kept moving through until I found something and then I, I didn't like it. Anyway. Let's uh, let's move on to history and fun facts. Uh, Jimmy, did you do any research on problem solving that you wanted to share? Um, no, but I know that. Uh, well, let's see. Just from my own basic knowledge, I know that Thomas Edison took a lot of naps, and that helped him. He never actually. We were just talking about my sleep habits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I know that Thomas Edison took a lot of naps throughout the day, and he never actually really had like a very normal night's sleep. And lately, in my old age, I've been taking more naps in the middle of the day. I haven't, haven't recently, but I guess around Maker Camp and a lot of people down, so I, I kind of went in for a couple of naps, and it's nice. What's, what's your nap spot? I just I go into spot? my bedroom. Well, you know when I take naps, this is when I oh, take okay. naps because I, I shared. You do, you do the whole, you, you like change into your PJs no. every time? No, I, I don't even change into PJs when I go to sleep for regular. I just lay down right. with all my shoes and clothes on and wake up 12 hours We're, later. And if it's shower day, then I take a shower. But I literally go to sleep with all my clothes on. Most of the time I fall asleep with my shoes on. Cause I, yeah, showers twice a month, whether you need them or right. not. Because right. I go to lay down and I go, I'm just going to lay down for five minutes. And then sometimes I lay down and it ends up being the four hours. So. I've done that so many times and, and I've like, it feels really good sometimes if you've been working on something really hard and your back's kind of like tweaked yeah. to lay down on the floor. And I've oh, fallen yeah, I've asleep in the middle, in the middle of my shop floor, like many times. And then when you wake up, then your back's really screaming at you because you've been sleeping on the shop floor <laughs> for an hour. But as far as problem solving goes, I think it's important to just take breaks and walk away. You know, that, that, that's what that reminds me of. So occasionally when I'm in the middle of trying to solve an engineering problem, I think, all right, maybe just take a break and, and i don't necessarily mean having a physical nap but just taking a break away from the counter mm -hmm. yeah the bench like the... i i like jumping to other projects too i think you do the same thing where you just leave that project and you just go do the oh, other, yeah. one of the other hundred things going yeah, on yeah yeah you just and keep moving everything up a little bit at a time you know yeah. to the it's amazing point. when you go back to that problem that you got stuck on you could a lot of times you just see it completely clearly yeah and you're not even sure what you got hung up I'm on. I'm working on a lecture this Friday. I'm going to be in Nashville, and I'm doing a lecture for a bunch of lawyers about creativity. And they mm -hmm. want to know, the, the woman who hired me said, tell your story about YouTube and content creation. And I keep stepping away from the keynote. I go a little bit, and then I'm like, okay, this seems good. And then I walk away. I look at it a day later. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense at all. Rearrange the order of the, the panels. Add some. I'm like this doesn't need to be in here at all. I don't know why I even wrote that, you know. And then I take that out, and so I step away, and then I come back. And so I've been doing that for about two weeks. And right. but sometimes know, writing it—it's just like prototyping. Sometimes writing it is the only way you can look at it and say, "Oh, that doesn't make sense." Yeah. And throw it out. Right. And until you write it and look at it, you don't know you need to throw it out. Right. But when I keep stepping away from the, you know, the keynote sketch or the keynote timeline that I'm doing, keynote—if you don't know—is just—it's just—it's mm -hmm. like series of pdf panels PowerPoint. is it pdf yep. it's just a series of powerpoint slides. for yeah. apple people that's right it's just a slide it's just a slideshow and i just put little the way i do a talk is i put a slide up and if the slide has a subject matter like set your goals 
then I talk on that for three, five minutes, and then I go to the next panel. So if I have 20 panels, I have more than enough to keep me talking for 30, 45 minutes. Yep. I've that's, been struggling with that. I like I like presentations that just have a picture that remind me what to say. Yeah, that same thing. And I, I'm, I now, in, I'm now in an environment. I'm now in an environment where people do presentations or powerpoints <clears throat> that look like a thesis. I mean, they you have to read them, and it's it's oh, like something no. you could hand to somebody else, and it's no. ridiculous. And then I do a, I do one on on something, and I think I'm going to present it, and then they ask me to just send it to them, and it's just like reminders to me, it's just and pictures. it makes absolutely no sense for <laughs> anyone else. It's like just a picture of a cat and a, and a flower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's let's move on. Uh, Tom, do you have anything? Any research? Nah, hard pass. <clears throat> hard pass. Let's let Jimmy talk again. <laughs> Ask me another question, mm. BJ. Jimmy's going to keep talking. Don't worry. He'll just keep interrupting. Yeah. Tanda, what about you? What yeah, do you got? I hope so. I did a little bit of research, and I found out that uh, Shaquille O'Neal only had a 52.7% free throw attempt uh, average throughout mm. his career. Mm -hmm. Is that good or bad? So, you would assume that would be more. That, right? I mean, that, like he missed every other awful. one. as a as, Like awful. As a professional awful. basketball yeah. player shooting with no one guarding you from the free throw, free throw line, he, he barely made over half of them. Wow. Yeah. So, so bad. He Did was we definitely, talk about Taco Nick syndrome yeah. on this podcast yet? What did you say? I, I mean, don't think did, so. He did, he did Taco Bell commercials. With the Taco Neck he, Syndrome? Taco Bell Neck Syndrome, where you're eating a taco and your neck is tilted sideways, <laughs> and, it, and it fixed his free throw shots in the commercial. <laughs> he was hitting them all. It was, his free throw rating was so bad that it was a, it was a league joke. But, but yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. But that, I, you know, so if you Google troubled shooter, that's, you know, or troubleshooting, then you might you that's might all, hit upon the, the same same thing. Yeah, that's so. nice. Troubleshooting. <laughs> you have any? Well, I looked up uh, problem solving uh, superstitions, and um, <clears throat> that, that, that was a no go. There was there was no superstitions for problem solving. So then I I looked up. Uh, I don't even know how I got to this. I got to some site here called Test Gorilla. And it's for like uh, hiring people, like uh, teamwork and stuff like that. And they gave a list for troubleshooting of things that you should look for, which I'd never seen. So I thought, ah, eh, just read it. So we got uh, listening skills, analytical thinking skills, creative thinking skills, communication skills, decision making skills, and teamwork. And that's sidebar. That Jimmy sidebar. Jimmy Tanda. Yes, Tanda. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. We didn't cover this in the pre-show, Jimmy, and I apologize for that, yeah. but I'll cover it yeah. now. This is the part of the show where PJ just reads a f for three <laughs> hours, and we all shake our head. When do we start the clock? When it's going to end. Can we start the clock? Did start you start recording yet? <laughs> oh, the clock. The clock on the on-screen clock. Change it. Change that to like two and a half minutes. Yeah. It'll make it look obvious. Okay. Yeah. I think he's on number 47. He's, he's coming back in here. And that was the last one. So I don't know um, what all that means, but I found it interesting. That was really interesting. I enjoyed oh, that, PJ. Yeah, was, Thank you. Especially number seven. That was great. Yeah. Was great. Yeah. So I might help somebody out there. I figured it was worth uh, reading. By the way, oh, we are recording. I was going to say, are we recording? I just saw the little tiny word recording <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> so It says recording. Yeah, yeah. But, it's, always, um, it's always good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Test Gorilla, not a sponsor. Test Gorilla. I had and something I important them. to say. I, I lost I lost my train of thought. I thought I was going to come back from the sidebar with something important, but it'll come to me. Wait, there was a sidebar? What sidebar? No, there's no sidebar. No, he's talking, he's talking about something else. Oh, 
All right, well, never mind then. You've just entered the dealer's corner where bargains are currency. Prepare yourself. You guys, you guys want to hear, do we have time for a funny story? The clock is ticking. Absolutely. So my brother Absolutely. was doing a job interview in my kitchen on Zoom. My brother Joey's been mm -hmm. hanging around with me. You guys might have met him at Maker Camp yep. the last day. And he was in a, a Zoom call with a prospective guy he was going to work for. And he's trying to impress the guy and going back and forth. And then with that, he, he lifts his cup up like this and takes a sip. And the guy sees his coffee cup with my sticker on it. His, his, his we have the same sure. last name, of course. And right. the guy goes, "Do you know that is that guy Duresta related to you?" And Joey goes, "Yeah, that's my that's my last name. Is it's my brother?" He goes, <gasps> He goes, "You know Jimmy Duresta?" He goes, "Yeah, I'm sitting in his kitchen." And the guy goes, "Oh my god, I rec Oh my god, that's the gray cat!" Like the guy knew everything about my life. Do, do you get some kind of headhunter fee if he gets the job? Well, he didn't get the job. But oh. <laughs> even, even with that, he comes running into the barn where I am now. He runs all the way from the house, all the way down to the barn with his computer. And he goes, Jimmy, Jimmy, meet, meet Frank. Frank's a big fan of yours. I, I'm in a job interview when I'm out. And he's like, look, and he's walking around with the computer. So it went from a job interview to a show and tell. This is the boat Jimmy's making. This is Jimmy. This is Jimmy's hearse. <laughs> This is PJ, Jimmy's podcast partner. This is, and like he walked around the whole shop and showed him. And I said, doesn't the guy know your last name? He goes, he does, but he just assumed it was just. Didn't put, yeah. A similar name. You know, it's just one of the many Derestas. Yeah. And when he saw the logo on the coffee cup Wait. raised to his mouth during the thing, that's when the guy realized, he's like, do you know that guy, Deresta? Is that the same name as yours? Do you know that guy, the sticker? It's very funny. Was John at Maker Camp? John was yeah. at Maker Camp. He came late Saturday night. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Okay, because I saw him, and I, I said hi to him, and it was dark, and I, I squinted, and I was like, John? And now you just said Joey was there. I was like, do they just look so much alike? They, were, they were both the there. No, they, they were both there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My brothers are finally taking an interest oh, in what cool. I do for a living, finally, because they're both broke, it. and they have no jobs, so now they hang out with me. It's perfect. <clears throat> All right. It's time for Dealer's Corner. Uh, we have a, a write-in. And then, uh, and then Jimmy's got a deal he's going to share with us all the way back from Maker's Camp. So uh, I am not familiar with this guy, but we have a listener uh, named Nate Galupi. And uh, he, hey, Nate. You know Nate? Does anybody know Nate? No, not by that name. Uh, I'm going to look him up. On now. Instagram, he's known as the Carbonator. I don't know. Ooh. It sounds like a villain's name. Like there should be somebody fighting against him. Anyway, uh, he said... Hey guys, love the podcast. Here's something for your dealer's corner. These were two deals I scored on Facebook Marketplace a few weeks ago. Uh, the first was an almost new condition Rockler wall-mounted dust collector, 650 model, retails for 350 bucks. I paid 75. Came with a hose and the bag. And then the second thing he got is a like-new Global Industries mobile heavy-duty computer cabinet, which retails for $1,091, had an extra hole in it for work like drilled into the side, but no scratches, has the keys and lock cabinet. I paid 60 bucks, And he sent pictures of both, and uh, they both look like brand new to me. So um, nice. those are awesome deals, Nate. Uh, it's, it's always cool when you can get a heavy, heavy discount like that. And Jimmy, why don't you tell everybody what you got at uh, the Maker's Camp 
you got to well do it's funny about 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 three months ago i said to rob rojas is like we need these cabinets these fancy cabinets you see in machine shops that aren't toolboxes but they're these upright cabinets they seem to be about 32 inches wide and they are just these sturdy long deep square drawers and like i said it's not a rolling toolbox there's no top cabinet it's just a series of fancy machinist drawers and i never knew what they were called of course andrew knew they're called vidmar cabinets i think stanley makes them is that true yeah stanley, stanley owns it and and you see them on facebook market so once i knew to google vidmar i started finding them they're very expensive and there was one straight away at maker camp one of the vendors patrick's one of the vendors that always comes to all the events and right away i said how much and do you know how much i paid for it pj no i didn't i don't know how much do you think I should have paid for it? I could tell you that uh, Tony and I were bidding on an auction, and Tony was thrilled to get one for four hundred. I know they go anywhere from like eight hundred to twelve hundred. Yeah, I paid four hundred. Patrick was asking five, and I said I got four hundred right now, and he said I'll do that. And so he's a nice guy, and I always buy junk from him. Mm, nice. And so I got it for four hundred. He was asking five, but I've seen him on Facebook Market for a thousand. And yeah. the one I got is a little—it's a little aged, and the ball bearings are a little. A little crunchy, but it's in it's in good shape. It's not bent or dented. It's just old. You could tell it's probably from the seventies or the sixties. Is this the same guy with the the roadside flea market? Uh, Does he take your metal? Does he take your scrap metal too? Um, no. The guy there's a different guy that takes my scrap no. metal. That he's the guy that. Do you remember that 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 piece of uh, plasma cut steel that I have with your name cut out of it? My name? Uh, somewhere. Oh, it's outside. Yeah, I have like a piece of uh, maybe quarter-inch steel with uh, the axes cut out oh, of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the first ones I ever did. Right. Yeah, leaving your house from t after Tony's house, um, I found it at a roadside flea market, and I think I paid like eight bucks for it. Ah, that's <laughs> I know funny. It was, and it, I knew it was junk, but I just wanted to be able to like show you that I have this. Okay, you, I think you bought it from this guy, T. Yeah, that was a while ago, T. Okay. He is my guy. We call him on on the Fitz All podcast. Ratchet strap, ratchet strap T. It's the guy who saw him with a, with a trailer ratchet strapped to his bumper, like wrapped up like, like instead of a hitch. Instead of it, it was just like wrapped up to the hitch, like all wrapped up, wrapped up, wrapped up, and then ratchety. Ratchet I, I think everyone who has some little some little unique something from from Jimmy, then it's it's a unique because one of the first times I think it was the first time I ever met Jamie he had the you had the, your yellow, orange cards with the like YouTube oh with the insignia yeah. on them yep 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 but you were playing with your laser and you had like m miscut your logo across the side of it or something uh -huh. and you were giving them out and you're like oh that one's all messed up and I'm like I want that one <laughs> all right did we meet at workbench yeah. con so, the first, the, one of the workbench cons the what? first yeah the first workbench con yeah at the bar yeah, and I yeah thanks I had a to, call thanks that to night. Tom I was Tom's shill oh were you I'm <laughs> Yeah, he was. He was like, I, "Have you met this person?" And then, he, and then he would go drag me over and be like, "Have you met Tanda?" So that it would start the conversation. Or other, which was it's my, which it's I'm my favorite thing for. to do. I'm grateful for it's it. It's my favorite I would have thing to do, though. Never met anybody. Yeah. But, uh, if you ever watched, um, if you ever watched, um, How I Met Your Mother, Barney Stinson, there's like a there's one of the the gags to meet women. It's like, "Have you met Ted?" And it's just the best way to like start conversations, just randomly introduce two people that you just talked to and just throw them together that's, and see what happens. It's actually really cool. I mean, the maker community, that's that's what that's what we're all about. Just I know a couple of people showed up at Maker Camp this year with very to little to no contact with anybody or n no real mm -hmm. entree, and they just walked in and just became part of the crew. 
I, yeah, and I talked to a few people who afterwards were like, thank you for just saying hi and starting the conversation. Yeah. And I, who knows how long they had sat there through Maker Camp right. not talking to anybody. Yep. And then they had a two-hour yep. conversation. So it's just that icebreaker. Yep. Coming back to uh, to Jimmy's Jimmy Stanley Vidmark cabinet. So <clears throat> this was a uh, oh yeah this was a funny little oh, we thing for me. Uh, I almost stole Jimmy's cabinet because um, somebody uh, well somebody the guy that was selling it Patrick. put it on the curb, Patrick. Yep. Okay, and then packed up his stuff and left. Because so, he knew it was for me, so he I told him to leave it there. I'll get it later. I knew nobody was walking away with it. Right, but I didn't know that. I didn't know you that. Thought wrong Everybody was not. gone, and I have the Your junk Beverly hunter. Beverly Hillbillies truck would have needed to drag you. <laughs> it it could have made it you on there, Jimmy. A, you would have had to lasso it and drag it. Probably, Pennsylvania. yeah. That thing had to, had to weigh like 500 pounds. I don't know. It was it super was, heavy. No, there was still room in the driver's seat. You could have put some stuff in the driver's seat. It would have fit on the hood. He, he didn't even have anything on the cab when he was going back. You, so, you had ratchet yeah. straps to hold your ratchet straps in place. I had look every single ratchet strap I own was on the truck. I had like thirty-two ratchet straps going all over the truck. Like, In fact, when you, you when you believe. took all the ratchet straps off your car, it fell apart. It did lean to one side. Yeah, that's true. But the the point I'm making here is the cabinet was on the curb and everybody had gone. And this was like the night before. This is like a, this is Sunday night. And I see it there, and I'm like, there's no way somebody just left this cabinet. And I, roll, I walk up to it. It's got Jimmy's sticker on it, but I'm like, man, Jimmy gave this to somebody, and they tried to sell it, and then they just left it here? That's, that's not cool. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I open it up. I look at it. I'm like, man, this looks like you it's know, a decent You know, by the way, condition. when you were touching it, when you were touching it, I woke up. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was happening. You grabbed you the drawer. A, tri a tremor a trimmer in the force. And I woke up from my yeah, nap, his... and I had all my clothes on. I was about to run down to the Blackthorn. So... His uh, his Duresta stickers are actually all NFT tags, and uh, they just <laughs> you all the, the, thousands of notifications a day. So 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 anyway, um, I think it was Tanda and maybe a few other people I talked to, and I said, "Did you guys see the Stanley Vidmar cabinet that somebody left on the curb, Virginia. like on the road?" And they're like, "No, nah, I didn't see that." And I'm like, "Man, that thing is it's big and heavy, but I can't believe somebody left that there." And I don't know if it was Tanda. Somebody, somebody said, "Hey, why don't you ask Jimmy if you could store it at his place and come back and get it?" <laughs> and I'm like, I'm "Like, to I don't want to put though, Jimmy out." <laughs> you're making it sound like it was like on the on the public road. There's a private road inside of. It was inside Baker the Blackthorn. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, was it is. A, it is a road, but it's a private road that only if you're in within the confines of the Blackthorn. So it was just sitting on the edge of the road there, but it was a road that's kind of like a driveway connection. Uh, Th that's yeah. true. And, and this and, is how Jimmy got free Vidmark. <laughs> Great story, Jimmy. <laughs> anyway, so, anyway. I so I, I figured somebody was coming to get it. So well, I just. It's funny because like, it's, it's, it, this is how my life works. It's, I've been blessed. I, I am not a very religious person. And I'm, maybe I guess I'm spiritual in some weird way. But when I say I want something, it always comes to me. Mm -hmm. Always. Like even Tom, when you and I met and you gave me the, the surface grinder, I was kind of slowly yeah. sniffing around about surface grinders. And you're like, do you want this one? You can have it for free. And it's like always something like that comes to me. And I, I asked Rob, I'm like, let's keep, let's keep an eyeball out for a Vidmar cabinet or a couple or three or five. And, you know, look for an auction, 
because they're expensive in the right setting, but at an auction, right. they might go for $100 each or less because nobody cares and nobody wants to move them. And we come to Maker Camp, and there's my Vidmar cabinet. It already had my sticker on it. It just wanted to come home. Oh, you didn't put that on there? No, I did. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> about to say. Yeah. Anyway, so then we go to Monday, right? So it's like day everybody's leaving. And I was walking back and forth from where my stuff was set up to the office. And I'm on my way back. And I decide to stop and look at the cabinet again. Because it's still there. It's like mid-morning. Hands off. And I'm like opening the drawer and closing it. And then the drawer gets stuck. And I'm like, oh, man. So then I'm trying to get it to close. That's why and I had a back pain that day. Because you were playing with my drawer. <laughs> I'm happy. That's uh, I have a really nice pair of machinist drawers. But I usually wear my pants over them. So they don't get cooling on them. <laughs> TMI, Tanda, a little TMI. Uh, oh, sorry. So while I was trying to get the drawer closed, um, I think it was Austin. I never met Austin, but I think it was him. He drives up in a truck and he goes, that's Jimmy's. <laughs> and I'm like, I was wondering who to leave this out here. And he goes, yeah, that's Jimmy's. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So Hands then I just off. wandered off. And then I think maybe, maybe 30 minutes later, uh, Jimmy pulls up with his trailer and his new truck and everything. And, and I yeah, we were talking and then you said that you'd come to get the trailer. I'm like, you know, I, I almost stole that set of drawers. <laughs> we put, I had to get, uh, we, we, I had to get uh, a couple things, a bandsaw, that, that thing. I, I lent so much stuff out, a, a big roll of uh, oxyacetylene tank. There's so many things I like. It was all like in the first 10 hours of my kids. Like, do you have oxygen acetylene? I'm like, oh, yeah, come get this one. Oh, do you have this? Oh, we got to bring the bands. Oh, we got to bring that. We got to bring that. I lent out so much stuff. I forgot what I lent out. And then I had to, of course, get the statue of me. I had to come and get that. Jimmy, uh, I don't, my memory's not that good, but I remember you yelled something funny. You and your friend were trying to get that cabinet onto the trailer. And oh. do, you, do you remember what you yelled? I said, you're not the f boss of me. But I yelled at the cabinet. <laughs> he said, you're not in charge of me. Yes. And I pushed the cabinet around yes. with anger and, and energy. And I basically... And, and it worked. Yeah, and it didn't. Then it said, okay, I'll do what you want. I know you're not in yeah. charge. Cabinet yeah. cabinet complied. Awesome. Yeah. No, yeah. Scotty yeah. laughed at that. He laughed. And he said the other day, he, Scotty works down in Austin, Texas. As, uh, I think it's called a highway angel. He's the kind of guy that when you have a flat, he'll come. Like he'll, mm -hmm. he'll get a report that you're at mile marker 100 and he'll drive up and help you fix your flat or whatever it is, get you jump started. And he said they had to move something the other day. And he was like, he remembered me saying, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> you're not in charge, whatever that was. And he said he, he like put all his energy as he said that. And he was able to move it. So I inspired awesome. him to yell at inanimate objects and say that they're not in charge. Well, I was about maybe 100 feet away strapping all the tr straps on the truck. And that's what strapping I heard. Strapping your fenders Just on. Yeah, there's, there's Jimmy yelling, and then like, I hear there's like four people come out from like the 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 yard where we had burned uh, the the jackalope, and they're like, Jimmy, do you need help? <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's, I, think, uh, I, I don't even remember how we got it up there. I don't even remember if we tilted it and like walked it up, or if we got the forklift. I can't even remember. I'm getting old. I, the memories just like literally fall out of my ears. I got like like this like dandruff, and those are the memories that from like, like a memories. Like I'm just before. as bad, Jimmy. All I remember is you yelling. I don't even remember anything else. That's that's yeah. you know. It's this, we're in the same boat here. Same boat. I really hope I'm never witness to any serious crime. Be like, I don't know. That was the guy. I don't. I, he looks like. I guess he's the guy. But <clears throat> what did he say? Um, 
interesting side note, and then we're going to the next segment. I got a, a summons to be, you know, jury duty. Yep. Every time I've gotten jury duty summons, I've never gone because every time I've gotten it, they've sent it from another state and I've moved to a different state. So it was never like the right county. So I was like, I don't, I don't live here anymore. And I've gotten like, I don't know, like six jury summons over my lifetime. Yeah, I've and I just got a, I just got another one like last week. And at, this is bizarre, but out of the entire year, they asked me, they want me to come in December, these this block of time in December. And it just happens to be the two weeks where I have two doctor's appointments in that exact block. And so you go and fill it out and they're like, can you, can you make it to this thing? And I'm like, uh, I got two doctor's appointments that would be very hard to reschedule. So it would be very inconvenient. And now I'm waiting to hear back if they're like, okay, well, we'll mm. just push you or, or what's going to happen. Yeah, I'd go if I didn't you. have the doctor. You're going to have but... to go there and then tell them that you uh, hate police or something. <laughs> yeah. My dad, my dad was a sheriff's officer. It won't be that hard. <laughs> Were those deals hot enough for you? You got a sizzling deal that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send it in. Maybe we'll read it on air. It's time for personal history. Jimmy, um, why don't you tell us how you got into problem solving? Where did that? Where did it start for you? I guess it started in art class when I was a kid. I was always playing around with materials. I remember playing with clay and plastilina clay, the oil-based clay, and sticks and stuff like that, and Elmer's glue. It lit in elementary school, kindergarten, elementary school, playing with blocks. And I remember building structures with blocks in elementary school and impressing Terry Herman, who was sitting next to me, saying she was curious about what I was making. I was making something really high and tall. And I just had an innate ability to make taller piles of blocks. There you have it. One of the first problems Jimmy solved was getting Terry Herman's attention. That's right. She never That's went it. to the dance with me, though. <laughs> Aw, more more problem solving was needed. Yeah, no. So, I remember from an early age just being able to just play with stuff and materials in art class. And then as time went on, and I've said this several places, people would see in me more than I'd see in myself because to me it was so natural to be able to sketch and draw and make. And I always did good on those three dimensional tests where it shows a box and then it shows like the unwrap box next to it. I guess that's either said. I don't know why, why we were being given those tests. Spatial reasoning? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that was a, a, a uh, IQ test or if that was some sort of high school diagnosis test, diagnostic test. I don't know. But we were given those tests all the time, and I always did good on those. And I just didn't realize it until teachers started being like, oh, Jimmy, can you help us with this craft project? Oh, Jimmy, we have to make the poster. I'm like, what are you asking me for? They're like, well, you're the only one that knows how to do this type of thing. It's like, oh, really? I didn't realize it. So I realized early on in elementary and middle school when teachers, specifically art teachers and other teachers would say, oh, can you help with this? Or other students would be like, oh, let Jimmy figure that out. And it, for me, it was just natural. I didn't know right. that I was different until other people pointed that out. Did it take you a long time to discover that, you know, that, that it, what came easy to you didn't come easy to everyone else? I, I think for a lot, of, a lot of us in this community, it, things do come natural to us. Yeah. And then, and it's kind of befuddling that when someone says, oh, can you help me with this? And it seems so simple. And you're like, 
Well, I'll tell you that a funny just something story. everyone does. There was a there's an art teacher named Rose Dalto, and she was like a hippie. I remember when I was in like sixth or seventh grade, she was probably twenty five years old, and she was like a real hippie, like really down to earth and cool and groovy and just like really likable and easygoing and could really appreciate something. And she knew about me before I got to art class because other people had told her about me. And so when I got in the class, she's like, oh, man, you're John's brother. Oh, my God, you're so cool. Oh, my God, I heard you could do this and I heard you can do that. And I just remember being like, wow, my reputation has been in this room before I've been in this room. That's the first time I realized the idea of a reputation and leaving good examples around and it making its right. way to the people that matter. And so it was really funny. It was the first day of art school. And she's like, man, I was looking forward to seeing you, man. I'm so glad you made it. I just remember her being kind of like the puppet in the in the Muppets, like the hippie puppet that's in the band. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's, that's like my impression of her. She was cute and, and sexy right. and fun. And, you know, like I said, I was just a kid. But like I saw she wasn't like a white haired woman with glasses hanging on her neck, you know, like like the typical teacher in the 80s would that started working in the mid 60s. You know, she probably started teaching just a couple of years before. So. Looking back now, that's cool. You know, I'm looking at those white-haired people. They're probably younger than I am now, but you don't know in context. You don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So, Jimmy, you, cool. you, was, you've been you've been doing so many different things. Like, there's problem solving. Pretty much, would you say that that's the thing that enabled you to move into so many different areas? Because you're definitely in a lot more. You've got your fingers in more pies than say, the average maker. Like, well, I guess know. there's a couple of reasons why. And when I before I got on YouTube, I wasn't doing nearly as much metal work, wasn't doing any CNC stuff, wasn't doing any 3D modeling. But as I got into the community and I started seeing what other people were doing, I knew I wanted to do that. And it's sort of a thirst. I, I used to hang out with a bunch of magicians and we loved to problem solve. M- Mark said Ducati was one of my teachers and I mention his name often. Mark has been a big inspiration to me growing up in... Right, I got a, right as I got out of school, he got me into the toy business. And Mark introduced me to a lot of magicians and a lot of puzzle designers and a lot of puzzle collectors. And we would sit around dinner. We'd go to this Chinese restaurant. And we'd just sit around the dinner table for like three hours after we're done eating, showing each other puzzles. And how do you think this could be done? It was These were great salons that we did. I mean, they were some of the most formative learning and problem-solving trade secrets that, that I learned. It, it, was, it was so much fun. We'd do it every toy fair and, and a few times in between when – Certain people would come from out of town with tricks and, and puzzles to show. And that was just such a great education. I forget what your question was because I had a better answer than what I'm about to end right here. What was your question? <laughs> the question was, do you think that the problem solving is what enabled all of those things to kind of come oh, together? So the, the reason I bring that up, okay, I know where I was going. Those are like puzzles to solve. And and as I got into learning how to solve the puzzle of CNC, learning how to solve the puzzle of TIG welding and wire-fed welding and aluminum welding. And all these are puzzles, learning the puzzle of finger joining, learning the puzzles of making a neon sign that Wesley's making here in the shop. All these things, I started seeing them as puzzles to be solved. And as I became uh, more involved in the maker community and I see people doing cool things that I was envious of and feeling like, hey, if I'm going to be in this arena, I should know how to do that. Let me figure that out. And then get to a point where it's I'm passable at dovetails. You know, I could do dovetails if I want. I'll wait till I retire to do dovetails. But I can do dovetails if I want. Or I could fake it and just use a laser, uh, CNC or a router and make great dovetails. 
just as good as it would take me the time to carve them. I'm very manufacturing minded, like like you, Tandy. You very manu- mm-hmm. So you think to yourself, what's the practical way I could do twenty of these by the end of the next week? I could sit here and hand carve them, but that's not practical because I'm a machinist and I like to solve the rigging. I like to solve the production. I like to solve the switching out. I like to solve if there's going to be waste. Where, what how can I use that waste for some right. other thing? And so that's the type of mind I have. And these are all just puzzles to be solved. It's like when I cut 15 ice pick handles out of a seven foot rod and I end up with like one two inch piece at the end of that rod. I'm like, okay, what can this two inch thing be? Be a mini, micro mini ice pick or whatever. You know, you just thought this is just the problem solving brain. And and Tom, you're going through that now. Same sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what do you do with all those empty spools of plastic? Make little mini tables. Recycle them because (laughs) there's a lot of them. Yeah, you, your kids just give them to your kids and let them do something with them. I remember they having they're all over the family room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll come up with something really yeah. cool. I had I really I really like that challenge. Oh, sorry, Tina. I like that challenge where the only reason you thought of something is because you had some stupid piece of scrap in yeah. front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only reason you thought of the thing you thought of. Yeah, that's that's a fun challenge. Yeah. So that's, yeah, sometimes that, it starts really small. Like I just. Um, was using we were using some of the push-in standoffs like the clinch nut standoffs um for something at work and i just sat there with one in my hand thinking of like what could i make what what would could i use this for and make something really cheap and easy with this that i couldn't without it and and so i'm just starting with a, a unique fastener and and I've dreamed up two or three things that would be interesting to make with it, just because I know it exists. That's, Could you make anything with a two-inch piece yeah. of brass? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's that's really cool. Sometimes I'll happen on something at my master car, and I'll just be like, oh, I've never seen one of those before. And I start with a fastener and and build something out from the fastener. This is an example I'm showing you guys right now. This is mm-hmm. a video podcast, yeah. right? So these are like saw blade width. Finger joints. Finger joints. Just a sample, yeah. just to make sure that the those, when I did my machinist box in the beginning of the summer, I wanted to make sure that my finger joints were good. But this has been sitting on the table ever since I made that machinist box, and I can't throw it away because it's this cool little doohickey that I, I'll throw it away in an instant when I'm really doing a major cleanup. But the idea is that it just sits around because it's basically a joint. The finger joints aren't glued together. They roll inside one another. And right. Yeah. So you could this, drill down the middle and make it a... Yeah, a joint that bends. This or, will you know, inspire you sit there and play with it, and you go, "Yeah, that's yeah." It'll inspire something. It's like a, it's like a breakaway bottle or something. I don't know. I don't know, Jimmy. I'm I'm watching you play with it, and the first thing that comes to mind is with maybe a little bit of shaping and making it smaller. It's like a finger joint fidget toy. Yeah. Let's take this. Mm. Just slap your knuckles with it. <laughs> <laughs> no one described what he just did. It's just go to the next segment. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the next segment. <laughs> I made it look we're, like teeth. We're we're gonna go to Tom. Tom, do you have any problem solving? Problem history? solving? Yeah. I mean, I'm just gonna hard pass the whole episode. Leave time for Jimmy. Um, <laughs> I no, but I don't know when I started problem solving. I think it's something that people have or they don't. But it is also something you can work on if you want to. Um, but lately, with the whole like creating a hundred things in the next two years, which I'm I'm now behind on technically. Finding the problem is way harder. Like, yeah, like find, identifying problems. That needs to be solved. That's yeah. So you got to do like Dave Bowers. Solving you gotta, problems. You got you to make problems to solve. 
Mm-hmm. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, finding the problems to solve. Solving them, once you identify them, you're like, oh, that's a problem. Like, I could think of three, four ways to do something with that. Yeah. Um, that's been the, my challenge lately. And that's what this whole process has been teaching me is like identifying problems, like looking for stupid little things that need fixing that no one else cares about until you tell them about it. And then they, a few people care and that's all. It I'll tell you what, working around my shop in the last couple of days, because I, I, since Maker Camp, I haven't been in the shop, but in the last couple of days, everywhere I look, there's a pencil for me. So thank you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I told Rob, I told Rob, I'm like, either, either you're, you're going to, you're probably going to thank me like once and then you're going to just curse my name no, every time you find a fucking there's pencil. Like pencils stuck on hooks. There's pencils on shelf edges. They're everywhere. I, I yeah, was just yeah. I was just building those beams. Um, and I, I like cast about for a pencil. And there's one stuck on the leg of a light tripod yeah. that, that the tripod picked up off the floor. Because nah. it has a magnet on it. That's funny. Yeah. The, yeah. Tom sent me a bunch of those. Yeah. And now they're stuck all over. Tom didn't give That's me great. any of those magnet pencils. <laughs> I didn't? No. Dude, I was handing them out by the handful. I made I made like two hundred of them for people. Made a conscious effort not to give you're me welcome. a single one. You're, Thanks, Tom. So if you felt if you felt bad, be, yeah, if you felt bad because yeah. he only made five, now, now you should really feel bad because he had two hundred and still didn't give you one. I know. Oh, so yeah. many. So yeah. many. What about you, Tanda? I put I put, uh, I put nipple rings on your glue bottles too. That's the new name, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, Grant Alexander's starting to call him nipple rings. And I'm like, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. It's hard to avoid. Those are handy if you just have one hand free to open the glue bottle. Yep. Those, are, those are nice. I, I like solving problems probably to a fault. I mean, sometimes um, I'll be working on a project and it has two or three trouble spots. And if I solve the problems for the trouble spots, then the rest is just kind of a slog of, of getting it done because the fun is all in in solving the problems so um, mm-hmm. you guys want to uh, you reminded me something of Tanda and you're not this type of person at all because you, you actually know stuff but what's annoying is when you're hanging around with somebody that wants to solve the problem and they have no experience I'm like no 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 uh-huh. what if you what, what if you just st- stuck a pen in it <laughs> and you're like yeah yeah that's like low hanging fruit Lo- no 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 and then then they 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 exhaust their like six low hanging fruit ideas and then they go no it can't be solved it can't be solved <laughs> because they my can't, favorite- because they can't solve it so like no I, this we got to really work on this and then you're like i got 15 answers that are better than all your eight <laughs> answers. my my favorite example of that is when you're in like a big box store and and someone's in there like asking for fittings and the person in the store is like oh yeah 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 i think i can help you we can we can use this fitting to get to this fitting and then and then you can put this bushing on it oh and then over here you've got like like this yeah and i know more me, you, i know it, more it than drives you. me just so crazy well the worst um, is when they what, go what, what are you going to do with it i go just show me where the aisle is where the fittings are what do you need to I, fix? There was, there was an Ace Hardware business. where I had them trained when I walked in, and and they told like new people. It was like, no, she's just gonna go, you know, go look around for something to solve a problem. Because uh, uh, I would, a guy would go in and they're like, what are you looking for? And I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm looking. Well, do you know what, <laughs> you know what it's called? I'll know it when I like, see it. Oh, no, I I know what lots of things are called, but I'm I'm just casting about while I'm thinking of. Ways I'm looking to solve for a, a series of shapes in a certain orientation. <laughs> That's right. all I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. But but I, I did have one one good experience at Home Depot with a guy. 
I, I think I was doing my like pool heater, like a solar heater, and I needed just some ridiculous connector to connect to something. And he was into it. And I was so thrilled that he like, he understood that I don't need a real thing. I need a fake thing. I need to make something up. <laughs> and he's like, well, maybe let's go check this aisle. And he dragged me around and that was awesome. That, that's that good. My, it's that the exception favorite. though, often, oftentimes. It, totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. The yeah. problem is that you have people that are stuck inside the box. And they're 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 only thinking of things in that box. And if you're literally if if you are a problem solver, you have to realize there's no box. Yeah. There's you have to see right. everything like you're looking at it for the first time. Yeah. That's how that's how Tom identifies problems. That's how you get to the solution. If you if you think that you're stuck in confines, you can't fix the thing. There has to be no confines at all. Yeah. Um, well, Jim, Jimmy, something that you've, you've said a lot is, um, you know, don't talk to people that don't get it, yeah. right? Like, just don't talk to them anymore about your ideas. <laughs> yeah, just don't say And it. it's really tough because there's just so few people in your life, like, you know, in your, in your, uh, in real life that you can actually talk to about those ideas. Right. And I remember having, I've had, I've, I had multiple conversations with my father after hearing that advice. Um, and I go, dad. I want to tell you about something and I want you to brainstorm with me, but the right answer to whatever I say next is what you've said before, Jimmy. Can you, can we put jetpacks on it? Right. Like <laughs> I, I preface the conversation <laughs> with that and he gets, and it got him out of his like negative slant. No one's going to want right? that. Right. Right. Yeah. No, right. What, no do need, what do I need? What do I need a three-legged frog thing for? No one's going to want that. Exactly. So while it is sad that you really shouldn't talk to certain people, um, I, I really loved talking with my father about these things because he is smart. Or Here's a, past tense, there's another way. He was smart. And, there's another way, too. There's yeah? another thing. And, and I haven't done this recently, but I have done it in my life is where you go, check out this, this thing. And they go, what is this? You go, I don't know. They got it from someone sent it to me. A fan sent it to me. And look right. at it like, oh, this, this is kind of cool. If you told them you thought of it and you made it, they'd be like, this is stupid. Yes. <laughs> but when it's yeah. anonymous, they're not quick to yeah. down, you know, and it's a, it's an instant psychological yep. weird thing. Because if yeah. you say, look at this thing I made, they'll be like, what do you think you're better than me? Because you make stuff. I just listened to the, right. a, I watched a video of the guy that does Mickey Mouse's voice. Right. And there's only been like four of them. And he just auditioned. And his parents were doing this to him where they were poo-pooing him. They're like, oh, you're, you know, it's not that good. He goes, well, let me, you know, listen to Mickey and then you listen to me. And he plays his stuff first. Right. And they're like, okay, now let me hear your stuff. And he go, that was mine. And it's perfect. Obviously, it's perfect. He's right, hired. Right. Um, yeah. My brother is that same way. And, um, but he has learned, <laughs> he catches himself. He'll he'll get into that first statement of like, yeah, but why? And then and then he, before I even answer, he goes, never mind. Right. <laughs> Just, he backs out of it because yeah. he doesn't get it, and he know. But he knows he's really smart. But he knows he doesn't get it. He doesn't know why I do stupid stuff every day. Right. Like he doesn't. He can't do that because right. it's just not within him. But I don't know. It's funny. He should just follow it with, yeah, but why aren't there jetpacks on why it not? yet? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Yeah. 
There's a there's an old good. saying that a friend of mine told me a long time ago, and it's called a, a prophet is never a prophet is never celebrated in their own home, and it's the people that know you are the ones that are the first ones to doubt you. People that yeah. don't know you, yeah. they don't have the opinion; they just see the thing, and. Yeah, Jesus didn't have siblings. That's the only reason he became successful. <laughs> That's funny. That's a joke. I'm I'm Christian. I can say that. No. <laughs> that sounds like yeah. a, that sounds like a George Carlin joke. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I'll write that down. A, yeah, he was still around, right? Yep. <clears throat> well, as for me, um, I was PJ? I was thinking about uh, when my first like problem solving thing happened. I don't ever remember being taught to problem solve. It just sort of evolved on its own. And um, the first thing I think that happened was uh, in the very early 80s when I was little, uh, there was a big playground near my house and there was a creek that went around the playground. And I remember going to the fence and seeing all the older kids on the other side in the creek doing something. And they were trying to catch a crayfish in a Coke bottle, one of those old, you know, like 1950s looking mm -hmm. Coke bottles. I don't know where they got it from because they didn't sell them anymore in the 80s. But they were, you know, doing something. I was peeking, you know, I was like, I don't know, seven maybe. And then finally they came up and there was a little tiny lobster in this Coke bottle. And I was fascinated. I'm like, that's really cool. But it looked really hard. Like it looked like it took this guy and, and the thing was tiny and the opening for Coke bottles was tiny. So then I'm like, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it better. So then I tried to get, uh, I took a clear plastic glass and I tried to catch the crayfish in a clear plastic glass. But the problem was it kept getting in the way of like all the rocks and stuff that were in the stream. So I'm like, all right, that's, that's not really, um, well, no, I did try to catch something. But then when you try to pick up a glass, all the water goes out and then whatever is inside the glass will also go out. So then I kept losing crayfish that way. So then I thought, well, maybe I could get a strainer, you know, and I didn't know it was a pasta strainer. I just knew it was a, it was a shaped metal net that water would go through. So then I got one of those and I'm like, I'll get the thing to go in there. And that was what was so much trouble. The rocks would get in the way and I was trying to like shape the environment so I could fit it in there and get the crayfish to come in. And then, all, all this is all the troubleshooting steps of like a seven-year-old, you know, like what? And you what came back I... to a bottle and said the bottle's the easiest way because it could nose its way into all the debris. <laughs> yeah. I'm, gu I'm guessing is that what happened? No, no. Oh, what I figured out was point. that the container was the problem. Cut that was part. the entire problem. I I started to study the crayfish and how they moved, and I figured out that the containers was what was freaking them out. So I would I got to the point where I could just put my hand in the water put my other hand in front and act as a, not a distraction, but like a threat. Not something that would make them go crazy, but just something that would make them back up. And they would walk onto my hand and then I could just slowly lift it out of the water and then they would just sit there. They wouldn't fight you. They wouldn't thrash around. Any I other picture a any seven? Other I picture a seven-year-old PJ in like a, with a clipboard and a white coat. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, if like if I scientist. had like a lab coat, that would have been the best. But uh, the straight jacket, not a lab coat. Crate crayfish catching Close. trial number one. <laughs> Tried yeah. strainer. But that, that reminds me. My dad told me a joke about the scientist, and he put an ethnic name in front of the scientist. I won't say it here. And uh, he said the scientist goes uh, frog with four legs. They go jump froggy jump and jumps four feet. And then 
he cut one of the legs off. He cut one of the legs off and he says, okay, jump, frog. He jumped. Frog jumps three feet. And then he cuts another leg off. Frog jumps two feet. And he writes in his notebook, frog with two legs can only jump two feet. And he cuts. Now he cuts all the legs off and he says, jump, frog. He jump. And the frog doesn't jump. And he goes, frog with no legs loses his hearing. <laughs> my dad said an italian scientist we're italian right. so you can say yeah. <laughs> and he said it with the full accent of the italian scientist the frog a jump a frog a jump that's what he did yeah i haven't heard that one that's a good one you could you could use that for any nationality i my my kid's been trying to ask me jokes and you have to scrub them clean for them and do the jump froggy you know, jump because he could do a really big build-up and the very last thing is he yeah writes i will in his i will it's a good one but why no were they racist though? Why did they need to be racist to be funny? <laughs> like, why, they were always racist, all of them. And it was it was every race. It was I mean This 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 my great. dad made it Italian and I think it had to do with the Bugs Bunny. Remember the Bugs Bunny episode where he finds the frog? I think no. that, I think my dad told oh, the, where he finds the singing frog. Oh the dancing oh, frog, oh, yeah. Okay. And it looks like an Italian immigrant like lays Hello, my baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks like an Italian immigrant like right. working the jackhammer in the basement of like the yeah, World yeah, Trade yeah. Center. Well, the Empire State Building. Yeah. So Back go. in the day. Back in the day when no one cared, you know? It was just funny. That was right. the thing. Now well, now everybody's offended by everything. Yeah. So Well, it was offensive then too. That's why we said it. I I think I brought this up on one of the other shows. So there's a there's a guy there's a clip going around Instagram of a guy that is dressed. With Hold a on, is this the segment? Is this the, is this the let's get canceled segment? I just want to know which segment we're in. Oh, we, yeah. they've tried yeah. to cancel yeah. us no, before, it's, Jimmy. It's, it's, it, it, okay. it hasn't happened. Don't worry, nobody listens to this anyway. Yeah. So so there's a guy, a a regular white guy that has a sombrero with a mustache taped regular. on, obviously taped. <laughs> like you could see, it's what like. What are you saying? White guys are regular. Tape. Regular white guy, right? I'm offended. Not, by an, that. not an irregular white guy. <laughs> yeah, the kind of guy you'd get on I sale. Know, I've seen this guy, and he goes around. And he says, "Am I Mexican?" Yeah. or whatever he says. It's yeah, funny. he says. He says, "If am I offensive? Is this offensive yeah. that I'm dressed as a Mexican?" And he goes to all these college students. And every single one of them is like, "Yes, you're you're culturally appropriating someone else's culture. That's very offensive." Yes, like five six people. Then he goes to Mexico and ask every single Mexican, what do you think about the way I'm dressed? And everybody's like, oh, you look nice. You know, and everybody, right. <laughs> you, find it, you, look great. you find it offensive? Am I offending you? No, no. And it's like, nobody yeah. cared. No one in Mexico cared. Yeah. You know, it's just, I, I find that that's like, that's where we're at as a society. We get, we get mad for no reason. And I'm just like, yeah. whatever. I don't got time. When for we that. did when we did the Dino Taco episode, they got us a bunch of props, and they yeah. were like taco hats and like sombreros, and like, and and we all were like, what, what? It's about tacos and a dinosaur. We're not going to put on all this hokey stuff. There's no need for it, <laughs> yeah. right? Just like like yeah, Tom said, why does it that's got the hokey be, line you guys wouldn't cross? Why right, does you it have got, to go back to? Why, why do the jokes have to be racist? They're still funny. So like we didn't right. They're still funny. Somebody might have like put on somebody might have put on a taco hat, but not a sombrero. That's what, like there was taco hats. Yeah, it's right. just a taco. That's a hat, but a sombrero and yeah. a mustache. I'm like, we don't need to do all this. The prop yeah. person just went out and got a bunch of Mexican stuff because we had Mexican food. <laughs> Nobody put on yeah. any of that stuff. Uh, but awesome. it wasn't needed. All we needed was Pat with his pants down. That was funny enough. <laughs> Second turn, I think it's time for one of them old timey commercial interludes and stuff. Hi, this is Luke Dennett, Johnson's Hardware.
Do you find yourself trying to get things done around your shop only to get sidetracked by another problem that needs fixing? We've got the perfect product for you. Johnson's Problem Solvent. Spray Johnson's Problem Solvent around your shop and watch your problems melt away. Literally. Use the fine flow nozzle for those pesky distractions or hook up the mega flow nozzle to clear out the shop completely. Johnson's is not responsible for partial or full meltdowns. Wear galoshes. Baking soda may halt the effects. You can find Johnson's Problem Solvent next to our other toxic acids in our baby food aisle. For more information, visit patreon.com forward slash makerskills. What the heck, Nabbit? I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. What are we doing now? Crossbreeding? Crossbreeding. All right, so, Jimmy, uh, what skill goes well with problem solving? Engineering? That works. Is this, no, is this a cold question, or did I miss the beginning of it? <laughs> no, no, this is this is the crossbreeding segment where we're Give just you trying three to, weeks to prepare for this question. We're trying to pair skills together. <laughs> what goes well with problem solving is is tinkering. 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 Right. I mean, yeah. that's tinkering. Okay, let's say what goes well with problem solving. Uh, you, you only need to give us one, Jimmy. Just one. Uh, okay. We don't, we don't need a list here. The brainstorming <laughs> just, segment. Don't use. Don't use mine. <laughs> brainstorming. Tom, brainstorming. you are not Little allowed stop, to steal any of Jimmy's answers. <laughs> All right, Tom, what, what skill goes well with problem solving? I, I already said it, problem identifying. That's a skill. Problem identifying. That's a skill. Yeah, you can come up with a better name, but that's what it is. All right, whatever. Yeah. Tanda? Yeah, fair enough. What skill goes well um, with problem solving? I'm going to say uh, get, getting over a fear of failing. Just being able to dive in and try something, see if it works, and, and not really care so much if it doesn't. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Unless it totally destroys your your world, then you just try something else. Eliminating the fear of failure is is a way of putting it. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, we'll we'll go with that. Um, and you, PJ? Oh, I already said my answer. It's crayfishing. Yeah. Oh, crayfishing. Yeah, that goes well with problem solving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. Fair enough. You I really to. thought you were going to say yeah. you put a burning piece of paper in the bottle, create a vacuum, and then just suck the crayfish in. <laughs> I was seven. That seems like that seems I like the seven. obvious. Okay. The obvious answer is you just evacuate just the bottle with my hot list air here. and seal the top, and then put it close to the crayfish, and then pull the seal off the top of the bottle and suck the crayfish right in. That's it. P what? PJ, I just checked my list while you were talking, and that's that's not even in the bottom twenty dumb answers you've ever given in that segment. So, that, well played. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. Yourself. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm getting better. I'm just happy that it's an acceptable answer because I'm going to start using it now. We're, <laughs> we're growing. And now it's time for Give Me Your Best Guest. Yeah. All right, Jimmy, we know that problem solving is your dominant skill set, but we want to know your top five. So what is number two on your list of skills? I say eye-hand coordination. Mm. And, and I'm not that, talking about video games. I'm talking about like being able to hold an angle grinder and know what I wanted to do, being able to hold a mm -hmm. chainsaw and knowing what I wanted to do, a drill, a screw gun. So that's very, purely purely experience based. Day. A nice pick. Nice pick. All right, all right. Hand-eye coordination. That's a good one. All right. Well, we will move on to skill number three. For me? Yeah. My. It's all about you. My reflexes. 
I've dropped the tool and caught it with my other hand many times in front of people, and they're like, "Whoa!" So I'm almost like kung fu in that way, where like I'll be like I'll slip with a screwdriver and it falls, and I immediately grab it with my other hand. Do, do you sometimes stand there, kind of amazed at yourself? I just look around I mean, and I, go. I, I've had and I that take happen a bow. before. <laughs> When, when there's nobody when there's nobody around though and, you're, and something like that happens and you just like reach over and grab it and you're not even looking you just know you know how fast it's falling and where it's headed or something and your yeah. hand just like finds it i i was in line somebody like, how does how does that happen I humans are amazing i was like like a, a, i want to say a chow line as if i was in the army i was in like a food line and and somebody like like my fork fell and it like top like it like it, like it toppled and like spun in the air and i just caught it like as it went past the tray and Whoever was watching was like, "You're sexy." <laughs> I feel I like I feel like I've been trying to do that fork drop for twenty years. Yeah. I feel like Kung Fu Jimmy should be a product. I don't know exactly what product that is, <laughs> but there should be a Kung Fu Jimmy for sale on your website somewhere. The Kung Fu grip with the bad pinky. Kung Fu grip. <laughs> Kung Fu pinky with a Kung Fu grip. All right, a, all right. Old commercial. Um, Whoa, see that fly? Man, alive. It's a giant fly on my keyboard. No, and our listeners didn't either. Wow. I think you just stepped on the, the peaky. <laughs> Sounds more like a tanda to me. All right, uh, let's go the to fly skill. fly has the switchblade. Put the switchblade. Uh, oh, the fly's got the switchblade. <laughs> it's very dangerous in your shop, I got to say, Jimmy. Um, very dangerous. What is skill number four? Hmm. Being messy. And how is that as a, a, your hmm. your number four skill? How does that helpful? Hmm. It helps me because I see solutions in the chaos. Hmm. There you go. Hold we on. have not done a messy skill. I'm gonna drop my mic. Hold on. Let me drop so. my mic. <laughs> Do you need a fifth one? Because I think I'm done. Uh, no, we're on number five. This is the top five <laughs> skill set, Jimmy. That's why uh, Give Me Your Best Guest is, uh, is for uh, you. It's where we learn about you. I think, I think one of my skill sets is having no fear. Because, you know, you hang out with five makers that are worried about taxes. They're worried about credit card bills. They're worried about, you know, is the car going to make it? You know, all these like little things. that we, And I am worried about those things. And they do make me nervous. But I make a conscious effort to be like, I am not going to worry about taxes. Because that's just going to slow my my life down. Life is about, you know, like let's say I got into a horrible accident and you know I I, I lost the ability to walk. I'm going to worry about taxes. You know, it's like such insignificant. There's so many more. There's so many more important things to be afraid of before you're afraid of like these insignificant things like taxes and bills and you know contracts and you know it's funny people say how do you handle contracts? I go I look at two things: how much I'm getting paid and when it needs to be done. I look at those two things and then I sign it. I don't read anything else in between. Like, what about if and what if and what if? I'm like, who cares? Those almost never happen. And if they do, I'll try and amicably try and solve them. You know, it's just like, do you have a boilerplate contract for this? It's like, no, I just usually just say, cool, let's go forward with it. Like, you don't have a contract. No, everything usually works out. So So just like not being scared of, you know, mundane stuff. It also comes with just being worn down. I'm 55 years old. It's like I've been kicked in the teeth a hundred times one way or another and it's just like either it's going to work or it's not going to work if it doesn't work we'll move on to the next thing I, I bet i bet part of that is that you have a lot going on though you 
you you don't you're not tied to one thing. You've got a thousand things happening yeah. all the time. You try and get a couple streams of income. That's that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. That fearlessness, Jimmy, that you're talking about, I think is a, is a for a lot of people out there. It's a very difficult concept if they don't really adopt it. And uh-huh. you saw it at Maker Camp, and I I, I want to say about at least twenty people commented to me when I drove my truck up with all the straps on and my yeah. leaf springs were going the opposite direction. <laughs> Every single person told me the exact same thing: "You're f- insane." Your car was so, like, was so strapped up, I think the dent that was on the other side popped out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who haven't seen, there's a tractor-trailer dent in the side of my truck. But, <clears throat> I think it uh, popped out. Yeah, I, I had no fear driving up. I mean, I couldn't go yeah. over 55 miles an hour, or, or then, you know, the truck was going to flip over. But other than that, you know, I made it in one piece. I made it home in one piece. You can't be scared it's of this also, kind of stuff. I'm also, uh, like, I, I'm... I'm I feel like I'm running out of time. I know this is ridiculous, and there are people in their 80s that are living fulfilled. I, I, at 55 years old, I feel like I'm running out of time. So it's like there's so many more important things to do and so many more, you know, like I, I've said this a couple times this week. I'm single now. I'm no longer in a relationship. So it's like now that I'm single, it's like, okay, what's next? Like, you know, who's going to be my next partner in crime? And and I'm in no rush to get into a relationship, but I'm also don't want to be shy and, and introverted. I want to, you know, get out there and meet people that are going to stimulate me and and help me, help me in my life. You know, it's just being right. timid and shy, you know, when it comes to meeting new people, whether you're going to be in a relationship with them or not. You know, you like get maker camp. There's no reason to be timid and shy to just go up and say hello to a blacksmith you want to meet or another dude or a guy or a girl or whatever, you know. We just, we just, it's just, there's not enough time in this life. He's really just, and so, gotta... yeah. And sometimes it just takes just going, well, what, you know, what, what could happen? Like the know, worst PJ, that could happen if is you're driving. The worst that can happen is I break down on a well-traveled road and I, and someone picks me you. up or I have to call and, and maybe I meet somebody new, you know, who knows what could happen, but right. it's not like I'm going to die because my truck spring breaks right. on the site. Well, and, you maybe, know, you, well, maybe you could, maybe you could if, if your truck looked like PJ's, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I don't, and, and you know, I, I, I'm at the same time, I'm, I'm a scaredy cat. Like Rob recently went skydiving. I was like, he goes, you ever? I go, never. I would never, ever, oh, no ever skydive. Life's too short I, to. I went on a skydiving YouTube binge like two weeks ago, like to the point that I was like, I'm gonna go try it. I'm did you, did you, it. did you think about Myself. it? Did you go? Yeah, I, but she's seriously. gonna build a plane and do yeah. it herself. That's the I mean, difference. There, I mean, there's a place. I almost went in college because it was really cheap to go and i didn't <laughs> that's and then, not, and is then that the I type of went. thing you want to select by price let's go to the cheapest uh, <laughs> well no because because there was like skydive training camps and they yeah. cost whatever they cost yeah. but as a student they gave you because they wanted to get people started into yeah. the hobby yeah and so they yeah. gave you a really deep discount because yeah. they knew if you got hooked you'd just do it forever well again like because life is too short to you know, get into, I, I, I've given up motorcycling. I gave away my Harley to my brother. I gave away my Honda to my friend, Patrick, not Patrick Reynolds, a different Patrick. And I gave away, uh, I recently uncle mullet was at that, but that was the host mm-hmm. at maker camp. My, my buddy, Scott, AKA uncle mullet, the real uncle mullet on Instagram, Scott. So my Vespa and I, he goes, what are you doing with that? I go, it's yours. You can have it. So Scott's going to drive backward. Oh, and he's really into motorcycles, right? Yeah. He's, he's, motorcycle classes and stuff. Exactly. But, exactly. Yeah. So he's got like 10 motorcycles and he goes, I goes, I would love to have your Vespa. I said, it's yours. Just come and take it. So he's going to drive back eventually and pick it up or I'll ship it to him. 
So I think that that brings up a good point, which is it's okay to be fearless, but that doesn't mean you don't have caution. Right. You know, well, you, you got to yeah. you got to know your limits. I'm fearless about simple, stupid stuff that that hold makers back. Like I said, like, oh, should I start a business? I'm like, don't worry about that. Just make something. And when you sell 15 of them, then worry about making a business. Like they want to start a business right. to think like you don't need a business to be to have the uh, the privilege or the ability or the, the permission to quote you, Tom, to make stuff. A lot of people are like what kind of business? What, what kind of you have an LLC or a limit? I go, honestly, I still honestly, I don't know. I don't know if it's a limited liability or a LTD. I don't know. I know I just put the rest on limited INC. And anytime when people go to me, you have an S Corp? I go, yeah. Do you have a C Corp? I go, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a limited liability corp? I go, I think so, yeah. 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 Got one of all of them. Uh, yeah. That's probably the best way to go. I have no idea. By the, time, by the time any of that matters, you're probably going to be making enough money where you just pay someone to do it. Exactly. But until then, you're still only making like tens of thousands. And it just isn't that important yeah so there's a guy on instagram which i'm sure everybody listening has seen his name is rodney dean norman and he's this kind of frizzy oh yeah we talked about him on my podcast we talked mm -hmm. about me bob and david's like you know you could yeah. like do a thing you know you could just yeah like, do something. yeah that was that was last yeah. week on the podcast. yeah he's a funny guy yeah. do, a, do a thing but that's that message that he has is like you know he's talking to those people that haven't and he's like you know you can do stuff yeah, you don't need anybody's permission. Like, yeah, that's that's it. That's what we do. We do stuff with it's no funny. one's permission. I heard. I might have said this, if, and I apologize if I'm repeating myself. But I heard the meme before I actually saw him talk. And then when I first saw him talk, I'm thinking to myself, "Oh, this guy's got this voice. He's got the mimic down perfectly." And I'm like, "Oh no, no, that's him. That's the guy. The voice is coming out of that guy's head. <laughs> yeah. This is the original clip. You know, because people with voiceover stuff all the time. Right? Yeah. Lip -sync. He's he's great. Yeah, I got. It. I catch myself doing it every once in a while and then just kind of chuckle at myself. I'll be like really timid about trying something on, on my mill or something. And then at some point I go, it's a $4 piece of aluminum and a $12 end mill. That's right. what I'm out. And, yeah, and that's right. like super cheap education. That that's a, so for, for $18, I can, I can have a class on what to do or not do. Yeah. And you wonder and why, why your mill is throwing bucks, And I just spent sparks. that on lunch. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've owned, I, I, I struggle with this problem, but I have owned three Bridgeport mills. I have never taken a single cut on a Bridgeport mill. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> you you and you and Bob. Well, they're you, not you they're not Bob plugged in right to. now. I need to run electrical. That's my excuse, but I'm getting there. Yep. I'm getting there. Was that our best guess? I don't know, but it was a guest. All right, it is time for short and sweet. This is the the end of the show. Before we go to the secret segment. Uh, Jimmy, is there anything that you wanted to talk about or anybody you wanted to shout out or anything you wanted to say at all at the end of the show here? Um, wow, I don't, I'm on the spot. Let me think. I'm going to look at my – well, you know, I could I could shout out Justin maybe did the documentary on me, which uh, I'm very proud of the oh, piece cool. he put together of me, which is obviously it's self-serving to say this, but Justin did a fantastic job as a filmmaker and – it was really nice how we pulled the community together in in my honor. So thank you very, very, very much for that. But Justin maybe just put together a doc. I think it was slightly funded by Total Boat. So thank you, Total Boat. And thank you, Justin, for putting that together. And there's some really beautiful moments in there. I, I, I've watched it twice and both times I've cried quite a bit 
through some of the segments. Those those are so good. I haven't seen that one yet, but I've seen yeah. his others. Yeah, and and he does a, an amazing job. I specifically cry both times and a few other times, but specifically when Anne of all trades is talking to the plastic statue of me. Aww. It's really cute. Aww. I'll have to check. I did not yeah. even see Anne. I didn't even realize she was at Maker Camp. Yeah, she, she stayed. She stayed at my house. Her, her and her friend yeah. Steve and 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 uh, Adam. They were all at the house. I'll have they to watch out, that. I haven't seen it yet. I think they were out early Sunday it's morning. Very well done. They were, very well yeah, done. so they're Friday inside. They were out early Sunday morning. They had a go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, I didn't know. So that documentary told me that the canoe from Nick Offerman was the one that he rode in at the end of um, the, the uh, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and my bro- my brother-in-law and sister are are obsessed with that show. They've they watch these things over and over sure. again. And I sent her that clip, and she's like. Oh, very cool. Like, she was like, <laughs> was, I didn't realize that was the one. That was the made, one, yeah. He made that in your shop years ago. Well, he made it like, just to, to give the, the quick clarification, Nick and Nick was wanting to make a canoe. This I'll give this as quickly as possible. Nick was wanting to make a canoe in 2008 when he was in New York. And he reached out to me because he saw he was on a show with my brother, John. That's how he knew who I was because me and John were on Hammered. And he saw us on Hammered at the same, it was all happening at the same time. So Nick came to my shop and met me and said, I want to build a canoe. And then he called me a couple of days later and was like, I suggest to go to Brooklyn where there's more room. He found a great shop in Brooklyn and Red Hook. And then he called me back. He's like, hey, I, I talked to the people that sell these boat plans and the boat kits. And I asked them if they had a DVD and they said they don't. They wish that they did. And I said, hey, well, I'm a half actor and I'm about to build one of your boats. My friend Jimmy, I know he does videography. Maybe I'll see if he wants to shoot me making this boat. And so I hardly knew Nick. And he called me back and said, hey, do you want to do a video? And I said, sure. He always laughs. He goes, I didn't know you more than 20 minutes. I called you back. I'm like, you want to spend the whole summer with me shooting a video? And you went, sure. It's like, yeah. <laughs> just say that, yes. That's another one of my skills is I, I, I say yes too many times. So then that you don't know how to say no. Yeah. And so then Nick and I drove up to to Bear Mountain Boats in Toronto or uh, in Petersboro, Ontario, rather. And um we got two kits. That's when I met Joan for the first time. That was uh, in 2008 and Joan and Ted. And we got to see their shop. And uh, then we drove back down to New York, put the two kits into the Brooklyn shop that Nick was renting. And one of them became the Huckleberry, which the whole video is predominantly about the Huckleberry canoe. That's the one that Nick mm-hmm. has in various articles. And there was one segment. So that was a staple canoe. So the whole entire strips were stapled to the the mold the other way is the way i've been building my boat just clamping it the whole way so there's techniques on clamping it which is what nick explicitly showed on the lucky boy canoe which is the other one and part of the the payout deal was that i would get one canoe and nick would get the other even though he would build both of them and so when the lucky boy was done but it got all diverted because nick became famous and the show became very popular and he didn't build it until almost eight eight or nine years later so I got the canoe in like 2018, 2017. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I knew it was done. Like he built, like he was building it very slowly as he was becoming more and more popular on Parks and Rec when he was in a shop. He was, he was actually doing it the way I'm doing my boat now. It takes forever. So you get, right. you get interrupted. You literally walk away from the project for a month at a time. And so that's what he was doing. Finally got it ready. And when he got it ready, when it was done, just happened to be when the final episodes were shooting so he used it in those scenes hmm. and basically cool. cemented the boat in history and then 
it showed up at my house like six months later. He said there's a tr- he he surprised me. He said there's a a uh, trucking company is going to visit your house with a with a present for you. I was like, what could be inside of a truck? He goes, it's going to be a surprise. And when it showed up, it was the canoe. Oh, that's really cool. That's yeah. great. It was very nice of him. He didn't tell me until it was like two hours away from my house. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best surprises. It's a slick way to get out of storage fees, I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I got more room on my, my dining oh, room man. ceiling. Where am I going to store this? I'll just send it to Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Jimmy, I, I had a question for you. We didn't get to it in the other segments, but I was kind of curious, um, since we are a skill-focused podcast, it seems to me like a lot of makers out there are very much tool-focused. And right. I was just curious, why do you think people focus more on tools than they do on skills? Um, that's a good question. If I had to give a nuanced answer, I think it has to do a lot with, and I've said this before about filmmakers. You see filmmakers that aren't good with stories or content focus on equipment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they focus on, oh, my God, the red camera's coming out. I'm like, okay, you haven't even made a story on your iPhone yet. Yeah. So what are you worried about a red camera? You don't even have a story to tell. And mm-hmm. whereas I think that has a lot to do with, like, skills of problem solving and, and hand. And, you know, like I – I'm jealous of guys that know how to make boats. So I want to be a guy that knows how to make a boat, which is why I jumped into making a boat. I'm jealous of guys that do pottery, guys and girls that do incredible pottery. Like you see these guys that do this pottery, they just like have like a slap wooden slapstick and some sort of brown clay that keeps showing up on Instagram. And you watch like a three minute segment of them making an absolutely perfectly looking machined teapot. It's not fired yet, but by the end of the video, the clay is done. Like that, I would like to try and get to that. And there's only one way of doing that and it's just doing it. And that's a guy with a stick, a couple of like flat razor blade type tools, and he makes the most incredible teapot. Now, you can't make that teapot with a 2,000 pound bandsaw. You know, so it's like it's almost being like alone in the room with yourself. You really have to be like, OK, what can I do with these few hands? Like it's like carving. It, that's a skill that is so in need of practice. You need to practice it. It's not the type of skill that some people are good at it. Some people are kind of born with the innate ability to see a face or, or a human figure inside of something and know exactly what the proportions are, where to begin your carving. But that's the type of thing you need to practice. And Right. Yeah, I watch those videos of like people sitting on the floor in India on, on yeah. a dirt floor with a stick and a and a you know piece of metal that they just tore off a car bumper and make something amazing yeah and i'm always like if they can do that if they can be creative enough to make you know to tear apart this engine make it into something else yeah and all they have was a you know another piece of metal that they broke off of a car and they're sitting there in the dirt making it i should feel guilty about not being able to make anything with the tools i have yeah not to sound like a gun they're, nut they're, but when you see those like those guys in these small villages and they're like racking a 45 that's like imperfect and they got they got no shoes on and they got like a dashiki and they with their feet crossed on the mud and they're like racking <gasps> a like a 1911 mm-hmm. and it's perfect and you don't even see like a mill you don't even see it like an end mill or a side mill like how did they do this? Right. They and just, when you do, it's like something that they made themselves. Yeah. It's or powered something by a bicycle or something. It's like some like, old oh war recovery gosh. thing. Yeah. So it's incredible. It's like if I have a mill and if I can't make like, a, you know, a, an 80 percent or something that works perfect the way these guys can make out of nothing. Mm. 
Are you doing the eighty percenter thing? I did one a long time ago. I haven't done it. No. long time yeah. ago. I yeah, never. Joe I Pye, never even. Joe Pye did. Joe Pye did one, one from scratch. Oh no, kidding! Joe Pyzinski, yeah, like from a billet of aluminum. He did it, which, uh, was, uh, which was really cool. He and did he, it, and he took it off of YouTube because of YouTube. Oh, I was going to say, but it is used it, to is still it be out there in. It used to be out there in uh, on Vimeo. Oh, okay. So you may be able to find it. Yeah. But he did a, an AR from just a billet of aluminum. I love like Joe a Pye. Whole, ser whole series of videos. Joe Pye is the best. He's such a yeah. He's such a great he's machinist, and he's. He's, he, he, he always gets mad at me because I wear my watch in the machine shop, but I still love him. Jimmy, I can't remember uh, what, what this was from. Uh, it was some, some sort of documentary, news report or something like that. But there was somebody that went into, I, I want to say it was like the Philippines. Like it was jungle. Most of the place was jungle. And they were having this huge problem with uh, guns, like illegal guns. And the, all the guns were coming from these gunsmiths that were making guns in huts out in the middle of the jungle yeah. and the, the, no electricity or anything like everything was like foot powered or like, I don't know. I can't remember the exact like setup, but they were talking about how it was um, like family run, like the father would teach the son and they would make all these different. They had specific handguns and rifles that they would make. And, they were saying how it like was a huge problem because it was like totally uncontrolled uh, gun yeah. industry. Um, but they talked to these guys that are making it, that have been making them for like generations. And they're like, if, if we couldn't make the guns, uh, we wouldn't eat. There's, there's no industry here. We, we right. need something to sell. And that was all they knew how to do. And these guys are like not school educated, not, not like yeah. college. These are just people that literally live in the jungle, but they figured out a way to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so like when you look at stuff like that and then you look at other people who are like, ah, I don't have a saw stop. You know, like, come on. Really? That's your excuse? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I specifically watch that kind of stuff to inspire me to do more yeah. with what I there, do. There's have. more and more of those videos coming out of Southeast Asia and uh, and uh, mm -hmm. in Asia in general. India, that looks like, a, like India and Pakistan. These videos of these guys running these old European mills and these old European drill presses. Oh, when do mm -hmm. I tell my drill press story? That, oh, what, we're going to get to that in the secret segment. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we're we're almost Which, there. We're that we're there. Tom, did you have anything you wanted to add for short and sweet? Uh, yeah, my bulk buying round two is coming up, and it's tape measures. Um, this is a plug, but I'm doing I'm doing twelve or twenty four tape measures uh, for thirty or forty five dollars shipped to your home, and these will be delivered in like two weeks. Uh, they're already here. Is this is this buddy, like the Sharpie thing? Yeah, so I did. I did. Uh, everybody bought a hundred sharpies, and Jimmy, I I told you you're not allowed to buy any. I'll just send you some because <laughs> you gave me a couple of machines worth a few sharpies. So, uh, <laughs> but I'll happily I'll happily send some. And if you want tape measures, I'll send you tape measures too. They are very decent tape measures, twenty five foot. Uh, I'll send you a couple boxes. Um, <laughs> But uh, this is the best deal on tape measures I'll ever be able to get. Alibaba, sh shipping from Alibaba, something that weighs a half a pound, is cost prohibitive. Like, I can't even, I, I can barely beat Amazon prices, which means <coughs> it's not worth buying them in bulk for you. So, uh, if you want any tape measures in bulk ever, this is, this is the deal to get in on. Um, you're listening to this on Friday, probably, and the listing has probably already been up, but I've already talked about this on my Instagram stories. So um, join in. It's fun. Uh, probably going to do some sort of utility knife next. All right. All right. Those are lighter weight. 
anybody that and, need- and thank you, Jimmy. For anybody that doesn't know Jimmy Deresta, you can find him. <laughs> just In type Deresta. Just go outside. Just walk outside. Scream Deresta. And I'll show and up. And someone will tell you about him. Yeah, he'll show up. If you say his name three times in a dark bathroom in the mirror, Jimmy appears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Tanda, what about you? Do you have anything for short and sweet? Um, I really don't have much. Um, Scott's a cool dude. Met him at uh, or briefly at Maker Camp, uh, the real Uncle Mullet. Oh, yeah. And he's doing some neat stuff with the kind of pay it forward with his coin stuff. So it's worth going and checking out and uh, kind of fostering that that ethos of, of just seeing somebody doing something nice or doing something nice and giving them a little token of appreciation for, for being there and doing something nice and yeah. paying it forward. All right. Uh, before I get to myself, I wanted to remember to thank our top Patreon supporters, our very own Tanda, and of course, Creator Nader. And um, I am still getting over the plague. Uh, tomorrow will be two weeks, so hopefully it'll start to peter off because I haven't been in the shop and uh, my truck is still full <laughs> of goodies from last week's dealer's corner. Uh, I was going to unload over the weekend, then it started raining, and uh, I was like, oh, rain and COVID? I'll just stay inside. That's a, that's the move. Uh, other than that, um, I don't really have anything else to add because I forgot what I was going to say. So we'll probably remember it in the secret <laughs> segment, <laughs> um, which we are going to go do right now with Jimmy. He's got a good story to tell us. And um, if you are not a Patreon member, you should jump on and listen just for this one. Uh, thank you, everybody. And thank you for Jimmy, uh, to Jimmy for coming for our oh, 100th episode. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Guys, yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. You guys should record the the twenty five minutes before you start recording. I'm giving you a little advice. It's entertaining, right? It is pre show. Jimmy wants us to record the pre show. We'll we'll take it under consideration, Jimmy. It sounds like more work. What you have to do is hit record earlier. <laughs> so. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maker Skills. If you should need more skill information, you can find us on Instagram at maker.skills. You can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at PJ Galati, son of the junk hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram. And you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time.